It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Okay. Yeah, it's now law. Wow, that's just, man, what a thing to celebrate. We're just so happy that Joe Biden signed the Inflation Reduction Act yesterday uh, to the Stars and Stripes, rather by John Philip Sousa shaking Joe Manchin's hand because they're just thrilled. Uh, they're going to help all of us. This Inflation Reduction Act is going to be such a huge help for us. Joe Manchin was asked about how much help it would be, and Jamie Raskin was also asked about how much it would reduce inflation. I just want you to hear their responses. This is clip two. When it comes to inflation, is it misleading to call this the Inflation Reduction Act for Americans when it's not going to make their grocery bill cheaper? It's not going to make everyday goods cheaper for them. Why would it? Why would it? Well, immediately it's not, but we never seen anything happen immediately like today. It's turned the switch on and off. I note that those who've been blaming President Biden for the inflation going up are now giving President Biden all the credit for inflation going down. So we're moving things in the right direction already. Okay, and what parts of the bill do you think will we'll quickly work on that specifically? The, the, uh, next question. Uh, 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 next question. Okay, so they know they're lying. They're liars. Uh, Joe Manchin, could we please remember that Joe Manchin is the consummate uh, flim-flam man politician? Those of you in West Virginia, could you please remember that he is absolutely the person, the reason that your coal industry is being destroyed and dismantled uh, while your heating and air conditioning bills are going to go up, your gasoline becoming unaffordable? Uh, he's a liar. Uh, he's got, they, they probably made some deal with him. He's all right. He's probably going to be fine. But those of you in West Virginia are not going to be fine because he is a liar and a flim-flam man. And so if you don't believe me, this is interesting. Uh, the media yesterday, MSNBC, ABC, CNN, had a few words to say about the Inflation Reduction Act. Let's listen. The Congressional Budget Act uh, Office, which is nonpartisan, said that there would be a negligible impact on inflation this year and barely impact inflation at all. Uh, next year, I mean, isn't it almost Orwellian? How can you call it Inflation Reduction no. Act when the nonpartisan experts say it's not going to? So I appreciate that. Down. I appreciate the question. We've actually addressed this. The, the CBO. It was the top line number. No, it doesn't live up to its name. Let's be real. The they called it the Inflation Reduction Act as a marketing device. Uh, in part to uh, lock down the vote of Joe Manchin. If you passed a bill called the Fill Every Pothole Act, I mean, voters should expect you to fill every pothole. I mean, so should voters measure the success of this bill on how much you reduce inflation in the next couple of years? I know a lot of people who look at this bill and say, you know what, it's a climate bill or it's, uh, has to, you know, it's a tax bill or it's all sorts of things. 
but maybe not a an inflation reduction bill. I mean, it's called the Inflation Reduction Act, but the Congressional Budget Office says the bill is not going to uh, do much to lower inflation this year or even next. The CBO says it will have a negligible at best impact on inflation. I get why uh, names of bills are often political, but specifically, how will this actually help people right now deal with 8.5% inflation? Democrats probably got this bill passed because in part they called it the Inflation Reduction Act. Is that just a marketing tool or will it have an impact on prices coming down? Completely marketing tool. And a name is just a name, but there are definitely a lot of other names you could have named this bill. It's so funny. It's so funny that they named it the Inflation Reduction Act and they lied. And that's so funny. And that's how they got it passed. And that's how they covered for Joe Manchin signing on to it. It's nothing but the Green New Deal deal by different name. And so I want to give you just an idea of what's in this bill. I want to give Tucker Carlson credit for my information here. Uh, He talked about it a lot last night. It's a $750 billion bill. It bill, you know. <laughs> Sounds funny, like there's a $750 billion bill, but I'm talking about the bill, you know, the one that they're going to pass in Congress. Okay, so it's huge. Uh, but this is what it has. It's got $3 billion for the U.S. Postal Service to buy new electric mail trucks. $3 billion so that our postmen can buy electric trucks. And I think that you probably know that the electric trucks will have to be serviced. That means uh, that mechanics will have to have the, be retooled completely to service batteries, all of that. So, hey, but this is this is a great beginning, right? So China, by the way, will be selling those electric mail truck batteries. So they're kind of excited about this. And by the way, Canada is too. Uh, Justin Trudeau uh, tweeted yesterday how excited he is about this because uh, the, they're giving a tax incentive to buy, as you know, electric cars. $7,500, I think it is. And, of course, GM and Ford <laughs> almost immediately raised the prices on their electric cars by around $7,500. So it's really not a tax credit to you. It's a subsidy to car dealers who are making electric cars. And it's also a subsidy to Canada because they're making uh, because they're making these new electric cars. So they're really excited. And uh, uh, Trudeau didn't, isn't hiding it. Uh, let me just read to you what Thomas Massey from Kentucky says. He says, using your taxes to boost the Canadian automobile manufacturing sector is not going to reduce inflation in the United States, but it is quite a gift to Canada, the same country that sued the U.S. and the W World Trade Organization to get us to remove country of origin labels from our beef and pork. So he's not real happy about it. And well, you know what, but President Biden and, um, Joe Manchin and Nancy Pelosi, they're, they're, sell- they're just so happy because this is going to you know, reduce inflation. The bill's name says that, right? All right, so that's not all. Let's go on here. There's a $3 billion grant uh, allocated for the EPA, and it's uh, to institute environmental justice. So and they get also, the EPA gets $60 billion in this legislation, and so... The question is, of course, what is this going to be, environmental justice, what, what it's going to look like? Uh, it's for disadvantaged communities. So uh, they have, let's see, what is it? I saw a whole list of these. There's one for, there's uh, $350 billion for the General Services Administration. The Bureau of Indian, Indian Affairs gets $220 million. The Office of Native Hawaiian Relations gets $23 million. 
There are billions of dollars in new tax credits, but they are not going to go to you, and I'll get to that in just a second. Um, $10 million is going to be spent on equity commissions within the Department of Agriculture to combat racism, because there's a lot of racism in agriculture. Evidently, there's a lot of... um, And the administrator of the EPA, which is getting so much money, uh, was on The Daily Show recently, and basically he said his name is Michael Regan, He said, everything I do at the EPA is through the lens of environmental justice, contracting, procurement, air quality, water quality, land management. It's all of it starts with, are we protecting the least among us, those who who have lacked political representation and those who have not been at the table for decades? So this is all about race, uh, but you know, they're saving the planet and reducing uh, inflation at the same time. Of course, they're doing neither. Uh, but they're handing out money left and for, uh, right. President Biden made this statement. The Inflation Reduction Act invests $369 billion to take the most aggressive action ever, 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 ever in confronting the climate crisis and strengthening our economic, our energy security. It's going to offer working families thousands of dollars in savings by providing them rebates to buy new and efficient appliances, weatherize their homes, get tax credits for purchasing heat pumps, Rooftop solar, electric stoves, ovens, and dryers. Now, here's a here's the here's the truth. Okay, here's the truth. This is an organization called Rewiring America. It's a nonprofit which supports the bill, thinks the bill is great, and even they say this. They decided to try to figure out how much money Americans are eligible to receive from the Inflation Reduction Act based on your zip code, uh, your household income, and your tax filing status. So according to Rewiring America, who supports this bill, a married couple with one child in San Francisco earning the median household income there of $120,000 would be eligible for nearly $12,000 in tax credits. But a family of three, that same family, making the median income in Youngstown, Ohio, for example, would be eligible for just $81 in tax credits. So people like in San Francisco and other areas like that will make out really well, but those of you in middle countries, not so much. You middle-class folks are not going to get so much help. It it includes, of course, I already talked about the cars. Uh, According to the Congressional Budget Office, this act will cost the middle class $20 billion a year in new taxes. And the Joint Committee on Taxation has concluded that under this bill, 61% of taxpayers making between $40,000 and $50,000 will see their tax increase. 91% of Americans making between $75,000 and $100,000 will see their taxes go up by 97%. Um, Oh, and uh, go up. And 97, sorry, I read that wrong. 91% for those that are in the $75,000 to $100,000 bracket, 97% 97% of Americans making between 100000 and 200000 will see their taxes go up. But Joe Biden, I could play the clip, but I'll just tell you that he just promised, oh, this is what he said, I'm keeping my campaign commitment. No one, let me emphasize, no one earning less than $400,000 a year will pay a penny more in federal taxes. That's an absolute lie. And, of course, there's that little issue of the IRS getting another $80 billion to hire another 87,000 new auditors. By the way, they right now have 78,000 auditors, so they're more than doubling their force. 
Uh, and it makes it, it's, you know, someone said it's more than, than we have people serving in the U.S. Army. And they're, of course, they're arming them too. We've talked about that. In fact, I want to give you a little idea. I think it was, um, no, Tucker aired this last night. I, I, saw, I had another video of this, but this is part of an IRS training video that I thought you might find interesting since we have to, you know, get used to this new idea of IRS agents coming after all of us armed. Uh, this is part of the education training video, clip four. In addition to being accountants, we're also law enforcement officers, which is very interesting because a lot of the special agents that work for the IRS, they don't come from a law enforcement background. We get to do the same things like all the other law enforcement officers do. Things happen, we have to be able to respond, so we have to be ready. So we teach our agents to fire uh, a firearm to be able to shoot. We teach them defensive tactics and methods of defending themselves and protecting others as well. So they go through that entire process so that not only can they analyze records, but they also have that law enforcement component. Yes, so there's a whistleblower from the IRS in addition to that information, and he's actually been fired now, but he's come out to say that the union will greatly benefit from this little boost in a doubling, more than doubling the number of IRS agents because the union donates 100% of its money to the Democratic Party. So that will be helpful to Joe Biden. So your tax dollars will come back, you know, to the Democratic Party. And the whistleblower also said that the IRS will abuse elderly because they are easy hits. So, you know, they can't fight back. Of course, most of us can't fight back when it's the federal government. Um, this guy got fired for going public with this information, and he said they will definitely focus on middle class because it's a huge part of the population. And I'll tell you why else it's they're focusing on the middle class, because communists hate the middle class. Uh, read anything about communism, and that's what they want to destroy. I've said this before, but let me explain. It's the, the wealthy people... Uh, have the money to fight, but they don't care. So, they, and they are—they don't get affected by many of these rules and regulations. So they—they they sit idly by. Poor people can't afford to fight. It's the middle class that is the danger to any totalitarian regime because they have enough resources to actually fight. Uh, it's where churches get. Um, that's why they target the middle class. They target the, the ones that can fight back. That's communist uh, doctrine. So welcome to the new America, A-M-E-R-I-K-A. I'll be right back. Coming up next is a good friend, Philip Jaregi. Jer- 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 We're going to be talking about the elections and whether there have been enough laws passed to actually ensure that they are integ- have integrity. Hi, I'm Jan Harper. If you're a pastor's wife... Come be encouraged and renewed as you share your challenges and stresses unique to pastors and their wives. The AFA Pastors and Wives Fishbowl Retreat is returning October 18th through the 20th to Linden Valley Conference Center in Linden, Tennessee. The retreat is three days and two nights of relaxation and encouragement. Our host will be Pastor Bird Harper, Director of Marriage, Family, and Pastoral Ministries, and co-host of Exploring the Word on AFR, and his wife, Jan. And our special speakers will be Will and Miki Addison of Airing the Addisons on AFR. Lodging, meals, and materials are all included in your registration. But hurry, space is limited. Register today by calling 662-844-5036, extension 297, or at repairingthefoundations.net. The AFA Pastors and Wives Fishbowl Retreat. We'd love to see you there. This is Pause to Pray. A chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life. 
and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for John Jusky, Associate Administrator for Emergency Operations at the National Nuclear Safety Administration. He's responsible for the Department of Energy's Energy Management Enterprise, Continuity Programs, and Complex-Wide Emergency Operations Support. Job 11.18 reminds us of another kind of security. And you will feel secure because there is hope. You will look around and take your rest in security. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide John Jusky in his emergency management work. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country, and we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make the switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. There's a big problem in America, folks. Most millennials do not have a biblical worldview. You say, Todd, why is that a big problem? Well, take a good look at what's happening in the streets of American cities, the chaos and the carnage, evidence of a morally bankrupt society. The Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University conducted a survey that showed only 2% of millennials share a biblical worldview. Now, a biblical worldview means believing that absolute moral truth exists and that truth is defined by the Bible. It would be wise to remember the words of John Adams, our second president. He once said, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Be sure to listen to my national radio show live, noon to 3 Eastern, or download my free podcast at ToddStarns.com. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. But what I've said is that the state of Florida is the state, uh, is the place where woke goes to die. Uh, We are not going to let this state, we're not going to let this state descend into some type of woke dumpster fire. We're going to be following common sense. We're going to be following, um, you know, facts, and that's just really, really important. So anyways, thank you guys for being here. God bless you all. All right. That's Senator, uh, Senator, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. I just wanted to cheer you up a little bit. I probably depressed the heck out of you in that first segment uh, because, you know, elections do have consequences, and the people of Florida have elected a really good leader who's fighting all of this. (laughs) Who says, who in the United States now says uh, Florida is where wokeness goes to die? No one says that, and that's why so many people are moving to Florida, actually. Um, all right, so we um, have a, a primary coming up. I've talked to you. Uh, we talk about this a lot. Uh, we're going to be talking about Oklahoma and Florida next week on Tuesday. That's their next primary, and then we have the general uh, midterm election coming up in November. So there's a lot of buzz about it. And so I wanted to uh, talk to this, talk about this with our friend Phil Jaregi. He is the senior counsel and director for our Center for Judicial Renewal here at AFA Action. Phil is an expert in constitutional law. He also uh, runs, oh gosh, where's the name of it? 
Well, the, of course, Center for Judicial Renewal, but also Judicial Action Group. Thank you. That's what's missing here. Uh, here <laughs> Wait a second. Go. I should remember that. That's how I know you best. And your your position at the Center for Judicial Renewal is new. And uh, we've talked before, but people might get confused like I just did. There, no problem. Phil, so, uh, nice to have you with thanks, us Andy. as as always. I want to start with something personal that has nothing to do with elections. Sure. <laughs> I have not had a chance to tell my audience this. And um, and I can't think of anybody better to discuss it with, at least briefly, than with you. Our mutual friend, uh, Justice Roy Moore, yes. has just been totally exonerated. Yes. He went over $8 million in his defamation case yes. uh, in that accusation that he was some sort of a pedophile. I cannot be more happy, Phil. I've know, never been so upset about something. Just a word about that if well, you want to weigh in. Yeah, I've known... Um, Chief Justice Moore since, Sandy, I guess it was 1997. No, 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 it was before that. I won't go too far back, but <laughs> um, but I had the honor of of um, being one of his attorneys in about 90, 98 in the Ten Commandments case when he was a district, or pardon me, a circuit court judge. And then he ran for Chief Justice. I was his campaign chairman and manager and then represented him also in the Ten Commandments case after that. So I've known he and his wife and his kids since they were little spent time at their home many, many, many times, and I just love him. I know him as a man, and um, to see what happened to him was horrible. And uh, and for him to na- – well, he was vindicated some then. Of course, much of those stories were not reported, some of the admissions of lies that were told even even during that Senate campaign. But now to to win this lawsuit and to be vindicated and for it to really get out, I'm so happy for him. And I, I oh. just so happened, Sandy, to speak with – Chief Justice Moore and his wife yesterday on a, on a related matter, which I won't go into, but, um, but they're doing well, but that was a very, very difficult time for them to go through what they went through and, um, but they've come out of it and the Lord's vindicated them. So glory to God. Absolutely. And I just uh, Phil, maybe we've never even talked about this. Well, you know that I think the world of him too. And the reason I, uh, my path crossed with him when I was president of CWA and I went, actually went to Montgomery to speak on his behalf on the the steps of the Supreme Court during the Ten Commandments uh, mess and got all involved. And when he was running, and I remember taking on um, Jay Sekulow and uh, Richard Land, uh, who spread this terrible rumor about him the night before this big fundraising breakfast with pastors. So I was really all in to defend him, and then since then spent a ton of time with him also, and find him the same as you. Yes. Just a man of complete integrity. What a terrible thing. And they knew when they did it how hurtful this would be to him and his family. And uh, you and I both know he even yeah. lost his pensions uh, as the chief justice of the Alabama Supreme Court. So he's had, far as far as I know, uh, the sources of income have dried up. So even the winning of this money is just, um, it, I'm happy. <laughs> it is, it is. And of course, the next step is collecting. Uh, <laughs> winning a lawsuit's nice, but collecting is a different story. And so um, that's in process, and I think that'll happen. But still, just the public vindication is massive. Um, the number, you know, $8.2 million, what that says about... about um, you know, what was believed about these accusations is wonderful. So I'm so happy for he and his family, and um, Me too. He, he's a wonderful man. He's going to join us. He, yeah, we'll do a long-form interview with him Good. in a, a, probably about 10 days, so people will get to hear the whole That's story. Great. All right, Phil, um, let's talk about, you know, we have these, uh, you know, the midterm elections, and so everyone's wondering, 
about how fair the elections are be from will be. From your point of view, have there been enough inroads made in cleaning up election problems around the country to secure this midterm election? The <laughs> the answer is I'm not sure. I know we've made progress, Sandy. Um, not as much progress as you and I would like. There have been a, a number of disappointments, but there also have been a number of successes. And you add to that the increased participation of poll watchers and people paying attention and concerns. I mean, people's eyes are open now to what happens from the left and the number of ways that um, elections can be stolen. And so um, I think we're going to do better, but there is a, a major concern that we have. I also do work for Mike Lindell, and lawsuits have been filed dealing with the voting machines. Because if, if you think about it, the organic fraud, like was covered in the 2000 Mules movie, that's one problem. But if you also have machines flipping votes, that's something that you have to deal with. Because um, no, matter, no matter what happens with the mules, if the machines are flipping votes, now you have to deal with that as well. So that's part of what we're doing with lawsuits to force secretaries of state and election officials to come into court and to prove that they actually know what these voting machines are doing and that they're not just delegating that essential function to some outside vendor that may or may not even be loyal to the United States. So yeah. that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. And, you know, my, my audience knows something about that. You know, right. you introduced me to Tina Peters. She's yes. been on the show with me several times. And just uh, her courage and what's happened with her discovery of the uh, machines behaving very badly That's right. in her county have caused her, cost her so much, so much personally. It's just an amazing story. There's an interesting, interesting lineup of, uh, of uh, voter fraud by Emerald Robinson. And I want to just uh, commend this to everyone. We'll put this on our getter page. It's called There's So Much Election Fraud Evidence, It's Hard to Keep Up. And this is what she says. Why do Democrats continue to insist that election fraud does not exist and that such baseless claims have been, quote, debunked? When prominent Democrats insisted that election fraud does exist, and it's a very big problem in 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020. Did they all suffer from simultaneous amnesia about the hearings they held, the expert witnesses they gathered, the interviews they gave for the documentary Kill Chain, the cyber war on America's elections on HBO? And that's how she starts it. Then she walks through and gives evidence of the election fraud that she is reporting on in, in lots of states. Yes. Uh, so um, isn't it amazing, Phil? Um, we are living in such strange times. I just got through talking about, you know, this stoop. Sorry, my, I need to watch my language. My mother would <laughs> want me not say that word. That's ridiculous. Inflation Reduction Act. The the, the propaganda yes. is just thicker than thicker than molasses. And now, uh, you know, on voter fraud, it's the big lie. How in the world did they manage it's, to make uh, to really sell that? It just it it is shocking, and you're right, Sandy. They they know about the problem with voting machines. They all talked about it prior, and that'll be covered in Mike Lindell's movie Selection Code that's coming out and be screened for the first time Saturday night. But just to give you a micro example, um, in the in the Georgia primary, there was a county commission race. I think it was DeKalb County. I can't remember at the moment which county it was, but there was a candidate. I think it was Michelle Longspear. This was in, on the Democrat side, Sandy. But, but on election night, she came in third. And she thought, you know, I really thought we were doing better than that. And she went and looked at the returns and found out that in her own home precinct where she votes, she had zero votes. 
<laughs> and she thought, well, I know I voted for myself and my husband voted for me. So I'm going to go pull the paper ballots and count them, which she did. And it's easy to do that in a small race like that, right? Well, yeah. she found out she not only was not third in that race and out of the runoff, she was first. This wasn't a matter of 10 or 100 votes. It was thousands of votes that she was shorted by the machine. Now, she ended up being first and won the runoff, Sandy. But that's just one example of what happens with machines. And how many times, how many other counties was that not caught? Okay, had those same, whatever happened in the machines, Sandy, had they given her eight or seven or 10 or 20 votes in her home precinct, she probably never would have known. Yeah, so this really. is a massive problem. And, yeah. and part of the problem, Sandy, is that you have secretaries of state that, are, that may be just politicians. They may be great public servants, but they don't understand code. You follow me? They're hiring companies who are coming in and have source code that these secretaries of state do not understand. And we didn't elect a private company to run our elections. And so this is a massive problem that has to be dealt with. There are people... Uh, experts that we have, when if those machines and the systems are brought into court with a judge, we can send experts in to examine them and securely determine, do these machines work properly? And that's that's what some of our lawsuits are doing right now. Yeah. And thank goodness for that. When it is just, it's just, so, they thought of so many ways uh, to cheat. It's hard to keep up. It um, is. I, 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 there's a couple of other things I want to pass by you. Sure. This is something that I heard yesterday in a, in a meeting, um, a DC meeting, and it's not... <laughs> Uh, well, it may be public knowledge. It's not a secret, uh, but there's a lot of there's a lot of talk now about the the Senate, uh, the, the NRC NRSC, which is the Senate campaign organization that raises money for Republican Senate senators, and it's led by Rick Scott, uh, who used to be, of course, the governor of Florida. Right. And there's a huge rivalry between Rick Scott and Mitch McConnell. Rick Scott tried to get Mitch McConnell to actually s- establish a platform for Republicans to work on. And Mitch was furious with him and has been, you know, just, uh, yeah, furious. And so now here's the story. Uh, Mitch McConnell, they're blaming Rick Scott because the NRSC now is pulling millions of dollars out of these states where there are heated contests with Republican candidates. And uh, the NRSC doesn't have the money. It's They're pulling it out. They're blaming it on Rick Scott. But I found out yesterday, actually, Mitch McConnell... Uh, has stopped giving. He's the big fundraiser. That's why he's the the minority leader in the Senate. So he has stopped giving money to this campaign fund, and that because he doesn't like the candidates in Michigan and Georgia and Arizona and Pennsylvania, uh, mm-hmm. because they're they're uh, endorsed by President Trump and their MAGA candidates, and that is just so corrupt, Phil. I, I it, think it, people need to know this. It, it is, and here you have Mitch McConnell, who you would, I mean, he's supposed to be the leader of the Republicans in the Senate. And to do that is shocking. I didn't know that, Sandy, but I, I, I won't say I'm shocked. You know, I've seen what happens with some of the parties in D.C., and, and sometimes there's a much larger concern for other issues rather than what they're supposed to be advocating for within their party. And certainly I'm, I'm more a principal guy than a party guy, and I know you're the same, Sandy, but if you're the, quote, leader of the Republican Party in the Senate, you would think you would be interested in giving money to your candidates in big states where you can take over the majority. That makes sense. So what you just said makes no sense that Senator McConnell would do that. Well, I think uh, keep in mind he's the one who said he was going to destroy the Tea Party. 
Um, he, this is what I try to make people understand. The leadership of the Republican Party are not the friends of people who love the country, who love the Constitution. Yep. They have their own fiefdom. And so they are pretty, you know, he's happy to be minority leader in the Senate. It's an easy patch. He has an excuse for why he can't accomplish anything, and he can mm. still raise a ton of money and wield power. And so that's the way this goes. The candidates, you know, there's John James in Michigan. It's Herschel Walker oh, in Georgia. <clears throat> Dr. Oz, <clears throat> you know, yeah. Dr. Oz. Pennsylvania, and I forgot the Masters. I've forgotten that Blake Mast. I think it's Blake something. He was. I think it is Masters one. in Arizona, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so uh, he hates these candidates, and he can't control them. If well, they get elected, he can't yeah, control and, them. And John James in Michigan, I have researched him. He's an incredible guy, incredible yes. background, brother yeah. in Christ, uh, would make an amazing addition to the U.S. Senate. And um, so that's a shame. And I'm glad that Rick Scott has been standing up and doing doing the things that need to be done. Maybe he ought to be the leader of the Senate if we can retake it, or if Republicans retake it, conservatives retake it. Maybe uh, maybe Rick Scott or somebody else should perform those duties. Um, yeah, Mitch McConnell has done some good things over the years, one of which was keeping Justice Scalia's seat open. So I'm, I'm, I'll yeah. always be grateful for yeah. that. But these other things are very concerning, and I, I really don't think he ought to be minority leader or majority leader or anything else as we move forward. Yeah, I agree, but... Uh, the Okay, so here's the, the takeaway to people listening. Um, as always, it's on our shoulders to save our country. Uh, it, you cannot look. I, I'm, I've said this before. Don't. I wouldn't give a penny to the Republican National Committee. I would give give directly to a, a candidate that you believe in. That's, that's it. And there are other things that you can do to help. In fact, let me share this. Uh, I just uh, here's an article. The Obama and Hillary are both recruiting poll workers for the 2022 election. Uh, Obama posted on Twitter that this is poll worker recruitment day. And he talked about the importance of it. Clinton said signing up as a poll worker is one of the most effective ways you can make sure our democracy works as it should. Yeah. Uh, so um, it's tr we, we talk about this a lot, but for those of you listening, you do need to sign up. Please, please consider signing up, not as a volunteer, but as a poll, an actual poll worker. Because uh, it's up to us to save the republic. That's right. It really does boil down to that. It, yes, exactly. And Sandy, what I've what I've told folks is, um, you mentioned shoulders, and I'll mention knees. I think we need to be in our knees in prayer, yes. going to God, because we have to have Him act. But but don't stay there on your knees. Um, some people just want to pray, and that's wonderful. But you need to stand up, and you need to you need to put it on your shoulders then, and do the thing that you're called to do. You don't have a radio show, perhaps. You may not be an attorney. You may not, you know, God will show you. He's equipped you. There's something that you can do. Being a poll worker is a great thing to do, Sandy. There may, there may be other things as well. So I just encourage all of your listeners, determine what you can do. I want you to pray, and then you find out where your position is and do it. And if we all do that, we can take our country back, and it's not going to be usurped and stolen by these Marxists. Yes, and one other thing just to... Uh, by way of counsel to everyone, uh, one of the things that the left always tr does, and they do it very well, is discourage. They try to discourage That's you. That's right. You know, we have the numbers. Good heavens, we have the numbers. That's and we've right. got the passion. Uh, and so don't let them discourage you. They control the narrative. All the news media does says what they want them to say. We don't have a lot of outlets. You've yes. got many people listen to me because they hear other things. Thank, if, thank God for that. A lot of great media out there, but it's not the big media. 
And they, and, so, and they do pump out a lot of bad news. There is one good news piece, Sandy, that I know you've reported on. If we have another minute, I'd love to tell it to yeah, encourage you folks. Yeah, tell it, please. Well, yes. guys, you know, Rob Chambers and I and some others, Sandy, we've all been working um, to see the Supreme Court turned around for decades now. And what happened in June was, was the biggest change in the Supreme Court direction in the history of the United States, Sandy. Not just the Dobbs case, but a number of other cases. What happened in Dobbs with the reversal of Roe versus Wade was an absolute miracle. And so there's a lot that we can look to to praise the Lord and be happy about. I mean, there's a lot to be sad about or discouraged, but there's also a ton to be encouraged about. And we need to look at those things and let the Lord encourage us because we need that courage to take on the next battles. Yep, I'm with you on that. And in fact, talk, speak for a second, Phil, about this new entity, the Center for Judicial Renewal, which is part of AFA Action. Tell us a little bit more concisely about what you guys are trying to do, what your sure. goal is. Well, the, the mission is to renew the judiciary. And so we're not trying to reinvent it. What we're, what we're doing is going back to the original foundation of what the Constitution says judges are to do. And judges don't legislate from the bench. They decide cases. And in a case, what you do is you have party A and party B, and a court's job is determined to determine who wins the lawsuit. They're not there to make policy. And so that's what we're working toward. And a large part of that mission, Sandy, involves uh, judicial nominations because these are not um, uh, elections for the House where if somebody turns out to be bad, you can just primary them in two years or six years in the Senate. These are appointments that will last for 25, 30 years. And so it's important that we get them right. And so at the Center for Judicial Renewal, we spend a ton of time. We're already researching right now, Sandy, eight to 10 names that we think could be the next Supreme Court justice. And people may say, well, well, why would you do that now? And the answer is because presidential season starts on November 9. The day after the primary, we are, we are in it. And so we want to have a list of names that we can take to the presidential candidates of course, President Trump did this in 2016. He put out a list. So we're already researching what we believe that list ought to be so that we can recommend the best next Supreme Court justices. Yes, and, I, and we could say that you are expanding the list. Uh, in other words, there's been kind of one resource for a very long time for nominees, and there's been a lot of disappointment in the last few years with those nominees. Uh, we have to give them credit for overturning Roe versus Wade, but maybe they didn't do it so willingly. I think of Justice Roberts, the news I'm hearing, you know, that he actually had a different plan and was trying going to try to peel um, uh, Justice, um, oh gosh, the other justice that's been so directly threatened, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh uh, yep. to, to peel him off, but yep. it didn't happen because yes. of the way the, the leak came out. So they need to be stronger than they are. Yes. And you guys are trying to come up with some really, truly, a strong and reliable, um, principled conservatives, absolutely who are constitutional, Abs- strict constitutionalists. Exactly. Hey, Phil, it's always great to talk to you. It and, is, Sandy. Um, thank you for joining me this morning again. It's my Phil pleasure. Is the senior counsel and um, director for the Center for Judicial Renewal, and so pray for them. And also, I bet you guys are taking donations to kind. Of, this is a new entity. It's AFA Action. If you go to AFA Action and look for the Center for Judicial Renewal, you can uh, you can see how to actually help them financially, if you will. Wonderful. So, Phil, great to talk to you, and have a have a wonderful day, and have a great. I know that you're there on the campus today, at, and back in Tupelo. So, enjoy the conference, and we'll talk to you soon. Great. Thanks a ton, Sandy. God bless you. Okay. Okay. Same to you. All right. All right, Sandy Rios, uh, back in just a second with you know other things. There are always other things, so don't go away. Sandy Rios in the morning. AFR Talk.
Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live, 55 minutes of industrial-strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls, so plan to join us for Encouragement Live, Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, here on American Family Radio. Hi, I'm Mark Harrington, founder of the pro-life group Created Equal and host of Activist Radio, The Mark Harrington Show. Created Equal is all about saving the lives of unborn children. Each week, I cover the latest pro-life news and feature interviews with unsung heroes from across the nation who are making a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice. Join me every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 for The Mark Harrington Show here on American Family Radio and discover how you, too, can help protect the lives of the most innocent among us. Rejoice with those who rejoice. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Michael, a five-year-old boy, showed up at the courthouse in Grand Rapids, Michigan, for an adoption hearing with his foster parents, and he had a crowd of unusual supporters. Michael's entire kindergarten class sat in the audience behind him, waving big red hearts mounted on wooden sticks to show their support. The kindergartners offered the most touching answers, standing up and telling the court, I love Michael, or Michael's my best friend. Michael's new father and mother had been married nearly 10 years, and he'd been living with them as a foster child for more than a year. Adoption, truly, is at the heart of the gospel. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner, or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, just watching your hard-earned dollars flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option. It's called MediShare 65+. Plus. And MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills. It really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years, and you can use your Medicare-approved doctor, and you also get telehealth 24-7 service, so you don't have to leave your home for the little stuff. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're easy to talk to. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. This is Frank Effney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Ed Dowd is one of Wall Street's most highly regarded experts. He just warned Steve Bannon's audience that, quote, China is collapsing, unquote. He added that, quote, internally, the Chinese communists are going to have to create an enemy outside of China to rally people around, unquote. Unfortunately, the Chinese Communist Party has already created that enemy, and it is us. Our webinar today will examine the People's War the CCP actually declared against America in May 2019. The Biden Pentagon would have us believe that China won't be ready to invade Taiwan for another two to five years. Maybe so. More likely, such whistling past the graveyard bespeaks the hope that we will be better prepared by then to defend against such a threat to Taiwan or to our assets, personnel, or territory. We need to get on a war footing now. Learn more at presentdangerchina.org. This is Frank Gaffney. 
Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios in the morning. That's me. And I'm glad you're listening. I have to say I'm very grateful. Uh, You've sent me such great email, and I want to just read as many of these as I can uh, because I'm learning stuff from you, and it's important. Um, Yeah, it's important, and I appreciate your input. This is from Joe, and he points out to me that in Mein Kampf by Hitler, uh, which I have read part, you know, I started it and never finished it. I should, I should, I've got it right here in my little shelf. I should do it. He said, uh, he said that the Marxists knew that most people only tell small lies and generally don't believe anyone who would tell a big lie. So the Marxists told big lies because they knew people would more readily believe a big lie than a small lie. I think that yeah, so that so he's right. I mean, he's very clear about that. That um, if, in fact, I think it was uh, Stalin. I think it was Stalin who said, "If you tell a lie often enough, this is not the Germans. This is the Nazis. They did this. I mean, this is the Russian communists. If you tell a lie often enough, people will believe it. You know, they they trafficked in lies. They perfected the method of telling lies, big lies. And so, thanks for pointing that, reminding me about that, Joe. Thank you. Um, this is a correction, kind of, a, a, and I agree, I appreciate it. It's from Glenn. I mentioned Muhammad being, Muhammad meaning, you know, the prophet Muhammad being a pedophile, and uh, Glenn is correcting me about the age of his wife, and I, he's right. Muhammad at the at age 53 married Aisha, age 6. He said he waited until she was 9 to have sex with her. Uh, but what is the word, word worth of a 53-year-old man who says he had sex with a 9-year-old? Uh, or of a 53-year-old man who married a six-year-old. So that's, uh, anyway, it's worse than I had stated. I think I said she was 13. I was trying to make a point. I can't remember at the time what that was. Yeah, but that's uh, that's the truth of that story. And so, um, yes, I know what I was talking about. It's when um, uh, Salman Rushdie was stabbed earlier in the week, and I was talking about him writing that book called uh, The Satanic Verses, which was what was Muhammad's vision. One of his visions was called The Satanic Verses. It's just so bizarre. The whole story is so bizarre. Uh, and I better not get on a sidetrack because I'll get on a sidetrack. But I want to talk about what you're telling me. This is from Dan. He says, you know, I've been talking about pastors. Uh, we talked. I gave you kind of a little soliloquy this week about uh, pastors... Taking on the whole of culture and the whole of the world, and not confining their knowledge base and their what they speak about to just the scripture. The scripture and God in, is in everything. That was my point. God is everywhere in everything, and so um, Dan is telling me that there is a place. There's an effort. It's called Home. It's called Liberty Pastors. Liberty Pastors. Fairview Baptist. Uh, edmund.org. Okay, libertypastors.fairviewbaptistedmund.org. So we'll put that on our on our getter page so that you can connect with him. I'm sure you don't have to be anywhere around. You can take have a benefit. He wouldn't be sharing that if you don't have to be in Edmund to take advantage of this. libertypastors.fairviewbaptistedmund.org. Okay, so we'll put that. And thanks. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for telling us about that. This is from... Uh, this is from... 
This is from Herb. Herb, <laughs> I'll just read what Herb says. Uh, I've had it with you. Minutes into your program, you accused Pelosi of saying communist China was a free and open country. Don't you know Taiwan is the Republic of China? Either you are stupid or as much of a liar as Trump. So I got, I had thought, you know, Herb, thanks for the challenge. I always like to correct things when I'm wrong. So I went back to kind of review Pelosi's statement. I thought you might want to hear it again. This was what Pelosi said when she came back from Taiwan. Uh, And she wasn't talking about just Taiwan. I don't think so. Let's listen and see. We still support the one China policy. We go there to acknowledge the status quo is what our policy is. There was nothing disruptive about that. It was only about saying China is one of the freest societies in the world. Don't take it from me. That's from Freedom House. Let's it's talk a, strong a little democracy, bit. Yeah. Courageous people. And, and it's it just, I don't know why it is, uh, except there's some commercial interest who would like to diminish uh, the relationship. Well, so, you know, who knows what she really meant, but she said China is one of the freest societies in the world. And, of course, that is a load of something. Uh, so, Herb, I don't know what you're talking about, why you nitpick, but he says you're no Christian. I've known that because you support people who have invested in the porn industry. Really? Okay, well, you'll have to tell me who that is. I had no idea I was supporting people who invested in the porn industry. Um, what Christian would do that? Now I remember why I stopped listening to you a year ago. Goodbye. <laughs> okay. He says, also, I'm a traitor to the Christian faith and to America. I have no idea why I listened to you all those years. Okay, the only reason I'm reading this, Herb, I just don't, I guess I would be curious to know, first of all, um, what your definition of a Christian is. Maybe if you're still listening, you could send that to me because I'd like to know. I also really want to know why you are so angry. I remember hearing from you many times through the years. You have written me. And generally speaking, it's about pornography, and you're always angry that I don't don't cover it enough. So I just wonder what in the world is going on in your head and what is causing this anger, because I don't think that I've warranted that anger in you. But you're going to have to tell me what you think a Christian is so that I can sort of defend myself on that. And um, and also how I'm su- invest, supporting people who invest in the porn industry. That's, that's what's got me curious, because I wouldn't want to do that, you know? So please let me know. All right, this is from... Um, this is from this from Jim. Oh, this is about guns. This is just something he's picked, picked up. He's, uh, his government is out of control. The Biden administration is asking holster manufacturers and resellers for their sales records. And they're threatening a fine of $5,000 if they refuse, even though the max they can find is actually $500. And so I didn't know that, and um, that's in, uh, he, he cites Amoland.com, uh, an article in there that talks about this. This is from Glenn. This is interesting. Glenn spent some years in Japan. He's married to a Japanese woman, and he loved the interview we did with J.I. Aba, who's the head of uh, CPAC in Japan. And he clarifies a few things. He says that certain group that the gunman that shot Abe and killed him, the former president, the, the group that he despised was the Moonies. And he says, Abe was strong but unsuccessful, a proponent of amending the Japanese Constitution to allow their self-defense force more latitude in engaging an aggressor like China, which would have been wonderful. Boy, they need to be able to defend themselves because China is just getting ready to take over that whole part of the world. And then he talks about how SARS-CoV deaths are a fraction of what they are. In Japan, they're a fraction of what they are here. 
because they vaccinate against tuberculosis with, I won't go into all of this, but it's something that has kind of the same properties of hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. And um, he talks about that's why. So it's interesting. So Glenn, thanks thanks for sharing that. And um, this is from... uh, this is from Joe. He talked. He t- said he's writing a lot of the detainees. He's been writing like 37 of them. He's a longtime listener of the detainees in the D.C. jail, the J6ers. He says Kyle Fitzsimmons is getting ready to have his hearing on Tuesday. He's asking for us to pray for him. And certainly, please do that. And uh, patriotmail.project, patriotmailproject.com is how we link Joe and many of you up with writing to the prisoners. Patriotmailproject.com. Dot com is what that is. So Kyle Fitzsimmons, Fitzsimmons, these guys are just going through heck, you know. It's terrible what's happening to them. And uh, now I just have a couple of practical things to tell you. We uh, Tomorrow you're going to hear a conversation with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North. Uh, he's just one of my favorites. I, haven't, I hadn't interviewed him in several years, and so it was really nice to reconnect. It's pre-taped, and so that's why I'm just speaking of it the way I am. And then some of you have mentioned in your email... Uh, that you're glad that I'm back on the air and you missed me. And that's very sweet. And I just want to tell you that next week I will be gone. Again, you're going to hear my voice. I've, I've uh, pre-taped a couple of shows for you to listen to. So you, it, it'll be like I'm not gone. But next week is my week of radiation. So I will be, uh, I'll be out. And for those of you who haven't heard this, I'm fine. I'm fine. I have stage one, level one cancer. It's practically nothing. Only five days. Of, it really, it isn't. I, I just refuse uh, to, to make a much of this because I'm so blessed. I know so many people who have such terrible cancer and are eaten up by it. I'm not. Uh, I thank God for modern medicine and I thank God that he has given me a reprieve and I guess I'm going to live on t- to be your, your host for another, for a bit more at least, okay? So, but thanks for your prayers and your sweet remarks and uh, you're going to enjoy the shows at, at next week. So don't, don't go anywhere, okay? I'll be back. All right, Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.